वंदे भक्ति विनोदम श्री गौर शक्ति स्वरूपकम भक्ति the king of all those who know the scriptures in the ocean of the sweet taste, which comes from Sri Radha. Sri Bhakti Vinod Thakur, Ravrabhav, Mahamotsavatiti ki jai. Sri Bhakti Vinod Puribhar ki jai. We're gathered on the auspicious occasion of Bhakti Vinod Thakur's appearance in the world. And so we have a short discussion this morning. Some reading. We'll be fasting and feasting and continuing of the Audaya Seva. Shri Bhakti So we're all indebted to Bhakti Thakur. We consider ourselves following in the understanding of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, the son and esoteric successor of Thakur Bhakti to be the Bhaktivinoda Paribhad or members of the Bhaktivinoda Paribhad, the, the family, spiritual family, Paribhad, of Thakur Bhaktivinoda. And really, in one sense, all of the people of the modern world who are touched by Gaudiya Vaishnavism are, whether they accept it or not, to one extent or another, also in, uh, affected by, touched by, included within, the, perhaps not uh, formally, but uh, substantially in the Paribhara of Bhaktivinotaku because it was he who gave the uh, tradition of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to the, to the Western world, or he who had the vision, I should say, to, for such an interface and, and, and subsequently through his Follower Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and his followers, and uh, my Guru Maharaj in particular, it's uh, it's come all over the world and touched so many people, and bringing, uh, spreading the teachings out and giving energy to those who are also holding the teachings in different lineages in uh, in the holy dhams. So we owe great debt to to Bhakti Thakur. He was a scholar and an educated person and educated somewhat with a Western education as well, which is something unique in terms of the Gaudiya Vaishnav lineage of uh, Acharjas. Unique for his time, not so much today. He led the way in that regard. He was born in 1900. And 38 in Nadia district of West Bengal and within the Goda Mandala of the, the place, the circle of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dam and place of uh, early pastimes. And um, his father passed away when he was about 10 or 11 years old and uh, part of a bigger family as most people were in those days, the parent parenting was shared by uncles and aunts and, and so on and so forth. And uh, he, uh, shortly 
after his father's passing, he, he ended up in Calcutta and uh, living with an uncle. His mother wasn't very happy in Calcutta. She went back to uh, Nadia district, but he stayed on in Calcutta and there he was raised by uh, an uncle who was well-educated and saw to his education. And at that time, of course, the British were ruling over India, so the influence of Western thinking and whatnot was um, part of the uh, education of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And uh, from a very early age, he became proficient in, uh, in English and in writing. That seemed to be his natural uh, ability, proclivity for expressing things and expressing things in the English language and um, and ideas, of course, of Bengal and Indian culture, Hindu culture, and ultimately Gaudi Vaishnavism in well, English language that was very accessible. And, uh, and uh, so not only a command of language, but, and he also studied Sanskrit, of course, and uh, and of course, Bengali was his Bengali was his native language, but um, ability to write um, clearly and simply about very profound topics, thus making them accessible to people who otherwise uh, might not have been um, able to understand the, uh, especially Gaudiya Vaishnavas, the, the depths of that. The, it's a uh, it be you know quite a quite a uh, a considerable uh, doctrine of philosophy and, and theology to wrap one's head around. So this is of course a realization to be able to do that to translate in that into simpler language and explain it and so forth. And, and as I say, from his childhood, he was very um, showed a, an inclination towards English language and towards. Writing, so he's really kind of a, you know, patron saint of the English-speaking people who are touched by by Gaudiya Vaishnavism. But before he was really um, fully involved in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, he he wrote, nonetheless, as I say, and before he was even twenty years old, his some of his articles were were published in magazines, newspapers in Calcutta. So a promising youth. Um, he was, and eventually he, uh, and he, and he was interestingly uh, a, a contemporary and his a friend of the um, family of the well-known um, Rabindranath Tagore. You may know that Rabindranath Tagore won the Nobel Prize. Maybe I don't know what year in the early 1900s, perhaps maybe 1903 something like for his, his poetry. And um, it was a big, uh, big deal for West Bengal, you can imagine. Such an obscure place and so forth. And, um, and Bhaktivinoda Thakur was running with his, uh, his, his family, his brothers, actually. The older brother of Rabindranath Thakur was a past and close friend of Bhaktivinoda. So, I'm trying to just give a little picture of his um, his circle. Mm-hmm. It was a highly educated, intellectual, 
circle of pious people. And while this was the circle in which he was orbiting, so to speak, at the same time, the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were not very much entertained by that circle of forward-thinking progressives of the time who were making sense out of Hinduism in relation to what the rest of the world was saying and what was becoming a, a, a kind of a dominant world culture or way of thinking about things, which was the, the British Western way of thinking of, the, of things because of their imperialism and so forth, conquering other lands and so forth. At the time, you know, it was said that the sun never set on the British Empire. It meant to say that it was so far-reaching that somewhere always the sun was um, up and shining on the British Empire. So this was becoming the dominant, uh, you know, world uh, kind of culture in a sense. I mean, they were overriding other cultures and and uh, impressing on them that this that they were the they 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 got it and they were the the standard to to follow and so forth. Uh, and they didn't have much, you know. They were occupying India at the time. And they didn't have, and, and and so people were being influenced by that. The circle of bhakti, you know, the educated Hindus were being influenced by that, and then having to think about their own culture, their beliefs, their texts, and so forth, in relation to the British and uh, Christianity, for example, and science, uh, and, and and so on. And um, there were a number of people in that milieu who came up with, who either left the fold of Hinduism, educated people under that influence, or who modified their understanding of whoops, then of Hindu Hindu uh, Dharma and its scriptures and so forth, uh, in such a way as as to. Uh, make more sense out of it and uh, or make sense of it in light of modern findings and so forth. And um, as I say, Chaitanya Vaishnavism was not very, uh, was not popular. Uh, Chaitanya Vaishnavism was thought by uh, pious, educated Hindus to be some type of thing that you went to if you had no caste. If you were, uh, then you go and call yourself a follower of Chaitanya and uh, think you were really somebody. Because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching, of course, it it kind of overrode the uh, caste system in many respects, being the kind of spiritual essence that Varnashram Dharma is meant to foster, ultimately, indirect, as indirect as it may be. That's its, its ideal. Sangsidir Haditoshanam, the pleasure of Hari. Is the perfection of one's of, of uh, performance of one's duties or varnashram, sanksudir haritoshanam. So it's it's meant to foster this, and haritoshanam, the pleasure of hari, uh, is no more uh, completely realized than in the uh, the prem, the love, loving seva of Sri Radha, which is the ideal of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, Lord Ashram is pointing, however indirectly, in that direction, but uh, unless at the time, pious and educated people in the social-religious system 
didn't have much regard for Gaudiya Vaishnavism because of the extent to which it had been uh, misrepresented. Because while it did cross over Mahaprabhu's uh, teaching, the caste system, and uh, and although it honored it to some extent, it sought to point out, as I say, what it ultimately was meant to foster, and and that spiritual reality itself transcends the social religious system of Varnashram. So Mahaprabhu was doing things that, in his time, were revolutionary from a social point of view. For example, his his embrace of Thakur Haridas, the way in which he also um, um, embraced Rup Sanatan and made him them his leaders, although they were ostracized from the Hindu community for their affiliations with the Muslim government and the work and they did in their government and so on and so forth. Um, the plight of women was, um, socially speaking, was improved by Mahaprabhu's teaching at the time. And so it was a kind of a byproduct of his teaching. He was a social reformer as well. And um, so over, over time then, without really understanding the teachings of the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which, is, which are considerable, as I said earlier, without any sambandha gyan, People would, who found themselves not well respected, perhaps in the society because of their low birth and lack of education and piety and so forth, would attach themselves to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching and, and think they had become somebody. But the, the extent to which they had actually attached themselves to his, to his teaching is questionable. So there were many sects out and about all claiming allegiance to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu without any chastity to the, to the uh, teaching, the theology, the philosophy, as it had been articulated by the Goswamis of Vrindavan in particular. So it didn't have much credibility at the time. And, of course, this, this kind of thing is mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita, that Krishna says, what does he say in the fourth chapter? He says, Evam parampara praptam imam rajashu sakalena mahata yoganashta parantapa. He tells Arjun that uh, sometimes this yoga that I'm teaching you, it's, the essence of it becomes lost by the influence of time. And you will become confused about what it really is. And then at that time, that system of mine, which is ageless, and eternal that I give to the world is is revived by what the parampara system. It's interesting to note that these days there's a fair amount of confusion about what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is, and uh, one sect of people who are quite confused about it they they advocate uh, the doing away with the guru parampara in order to shed light on what the Real teachings are. <laughs> this is just the opposite of Bhagavad Gita. Krishna says, when the que- teachings are in question, then look to the Guru Parampara. That's where you'll find me in this ongoing succession. So to do away with that, this is really not to be very learned, even in the ABCs of Krishna consciousness as they are found, as it's sometimes said in Bhagavad Gita. So, at any rate, the, the lineage, the pure lineage of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was, um, had been um, 
adulterated or adulterated forms of it were out and about and they were more prominently representative or misrepresentative, as it may be, of the tradition. Not that Gaudi Vaishnavism wasn't intact to some extent in its purity and so forth, but there uh, it was um, largely kept in the uh, hearts of recluses and, and whatnot, and there wasn't any active kind of campaigning and um, and propaganda and so forth, uh, at least not certainly not using any modern means and, 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 and so on and so forth. So people would be Vaishnavas because they were born in Vaishnava families and and so forth. And they were saints and whatnot, but they tended to, to, to reside in the holy places in the Dhams and Vrindavan and Mayapur and in, uh, in Puri, and they would be recluse and uh, avoid the external world and so forth. So this was the condition. And... Um, and um, Meanwhile, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was in this uh, cultural uh, circle of educated people interfacing Hinduism with modern thinking and so forth. And kind of the th- they were, he was part of the prominent think tank of the times. As I say, just as a, a, 18 years old, his articles were being published in newspapers and magazines and so forth. He, he wrote a, a, a poem in English about his village where he was born, Ula, in uh, Nadia district where he returned after some time from his uh, living in Calcutta and in his education to find that the town had been devastated by, like, I think, by, by, by cholera. And practically the whole town had been the whole, been wiped out. And he wrote a poem, I forget the name of that, Pori, Pori Bay or something like that. Pori, Pori Bay. Pori, uh, something like that. And it was an English poem and it was very uh, written in English and just, you know, describing very graphically the, the, the contrast and, and, and so on and so forth and implications of that. It was very uh, popular. It was written, I believe, in in, uh, in um, how do you say, in, in verse that didn't rhyme. And it was the first uh, to be written like this. At least out of, uh, of out of India, I believe, and maybe the first in English even. Um, so anyway, it was he was a very uh, uh, prominent person in intellectual circles and whatnot. And those who were involved in religious fo- reform and who had fashioned different uh, approaches and different forms of Hinduism, as well as the Christians and so forth, from Europe, from Britain, were in this milieu, and, and they found. The young Kedarnath Dutt, uh, as he was named at the time, very uh, attractive and a, and a, and a uh, uh, you know a valuable kind of commodity. They thought that if we could get him in our mission, that would be good for our mission. But as it turned out, he up and uh, became a Godi of Vaishnav, which was rather shocking, if, if you follow what I'm saying here. Uh, that, that wasn't even considered as something to take uh, take seriously. But he took it seriously upon reading Chaitanya Charitamrita. He understood the Bhagwat, which was really in question, in the light of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching, and of course then saw its value. At the time, the Bhagwat was particularly in question by the uh, influence of the, under the influence of the British, who found it to be uh, a book in which 
there was an immoral god who was a womanizer and, and so forth. So they found it to be the height of moral degradation. And so Bhaktivinoda himself expressed that he was influenced by that thinking and didn't consider the Bhagavad. But when he got Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Bhagavad, Bhaktimal, these books, then he uh, uh, was influenced by Chaitanya's thinking and he read the Bhagavad anew, fresh in the light of Chaitanya's uh, insight and so forth in life. And so he became a Gaudiya Vaishnav. And um, began, uh, he wasn't an really, I don't think, initiated in Gaudiya Vaishnava until he was about 40. So, from about 28 or so on, he, he, he got a job in, in Puri. He very much wanted to go to Puri because it was such a prominent place of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes. So, he felt himself fortunate to get the job, and there he um, wrote many Vaishnava books and... Um, uh, would regularly dis- discuss the Bhagavad and so on, and uh, and uh, as I say, eventually he was uh, was, was was initiated, and um, and um, he got relocated, which was again then became his desire. He, from Nadia, he desired in Calcutta, he desired to be located in the Puri district, and then he absorbed that, and. Uh, Following the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he desired to retire in, in Nadia. Of course, in between, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself did, he had gone to Vrindavan also. He was involved in reforms there, and uh, one thing in particular he, he did was to help to um, make uh, Vrindavan accessible to pilgrims who were being uh, robbed regularly by dacoits in the, in, in, in the, in the area. So he was uh, very active in that he kind of had a he kind of had a had a flair for social activism but it was very much tied to the Gaudiya community activism in relation to improving the situation for those who were interested in pursuing Gaudiya Vaishnavism it was in Vrindavan incidentally notably that he was given the title Bhaktivinoda by the Vrindavan Goswamis of the time some people like to think that he was only Known in Bengal and uh, and all, but actually his title came from the Vrindavan side, so he was influential there as well. And uh, his 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 books circulated in that area, uh, that side also. These are kind of the so the three main areas of seats of Gaudiya Vaishnavism: Navadvip, of course, the Nadia district, Jagannath Puri, and um, Vrindavan. So he was well known in all of them. He was known in any one of them. It was certainly extraordinary, but he was known, well known in, in, all, in all three of them. He became a very prominent Vaishnava uh, Acharya, and, and he was uh, very uh, determined to um, excavate the places of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes in his later years in Nadia. And this was one of the reasons that he wanted to get relocated in terms of his job. He was a family man. I think he fathered about 10 children, 10 or 12 children. One of whom, of course, was Bimal Prashad, who became the great Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, his successor. But uh, he wanted to be relocated there, and he, and he got that opportunity. And while 
working in that district. He was a magistrate, so he was involved in the in law and so forth. And uh, another instance comes to mind when we think of him as a magistrate, which is the wonderful incident in in Puri, where where as magistrate there he uh, exposed the uh, this fellow Bibishan, I think his name was, this yogi who was claiming to be Vishnu, and he had a friend called Brahma, another one he called Shiva, and and they're they're helping him in his uh, efforts, which he considered to be convinced the foolish people was Leela, and grown men were bringing their wives to him at his request, thinking him to be Vishnu, and and and. And this to be a reenactment of the uh, Paraki above. Of course, where is it said anywhere in, in the Bhagavad that the husbands were bringing their wives to Krishna <laughs> and turning them, okay, have Paraki. <laughs> no, the whole idea of Paraki is that it's, it's a secret, right? So, at any rate, this is how confused people can get superstitious without some mandagyam, without the. Uh, Illuminating presence of a, of, a, of, of an acharya and so forth. These things can be re- readily misunderstood. And so, another example of, of that kind of thing. I spoke earlier the misunderstanding of Gaudiya Vaishnavas in their puri. And so, anyway, he went. It's a famous story. He went and challenged the yogi, and uh, he had a hard time getting people to come with him. Some men to come with him. They were afraid of this fellow. He had mystic powers and so forth. And indeed. When they Bhaktivinotakur approached him, he he warned him, uh, "You don't know who I am, you know." And uh, of course, he knew who Bhaktivinotakur was, and he he threw fire from his hands came fire like this, and so fire started around in front of them where they had to cross that line, and people backed off, but Bhaktivinot nonetheless pursued and. Uh, was not was undaunted by the uh, mysticism of this fellow, and um, he arrested him, and successfully brought him to jail, brought him to trial, and he was the magistrate presiding over the trial, and it lasted for quite some time, a week or so, and by the influence of this yogi, Bhaktivinoda's family members became um, sick with fever, very high fever, one after another, one another, another, another. And the people were very um, concerned. Bhaktivinotakur, you, know, you have good intentions, but you, you blew it. This is Vishnu himself here, and look what you're doing. And the final day of the trial, Bhaktivinotakur himself became struck with a fever, but he had a very high fever. But he pursued anyway all the way to the finish and found him, pronounced him guilty hmm, of impersonating Vishnu. It's a crime those days in India, and um, and so. They arrested the fellow, and Bhaktivinoda ordered that his hair be cut off. He had these long dreadlocks. And as soon as his hair was cut off, he collapsed and lost all of his power. So he had this mystic power stored in his hair. I met a fellow once who was, came to one of our uh, preaching programs, and he was interested in joining. And I, I said, to him, he had these long dreadlocks, and he was really proud of them and so forth. So I smiled and said, well, you might have to cut off your hair. He said, oh, but all my, all my power is in my hair. Of course, he didn't have any power, but it is possible to get some power and keep it in your hair, apparently. <laughs> but I told him, I said, you see, spiritual life is not about power. It's not about getting power. It's about serving the powerful, who's actually powerful. So 
That's what Bhaktivinoda Thakur was doing. The fellow ended up hanging himself in prison, the so-called Vishnu. And Brahma and Shiva were similarly incarcerated. I don't know what happened to them. At any rate, these are the kind of kind of things that he was doing. And, and so, in, and then when he went to Nadia, his main concern was to reform the Vaishnav community there and uh, the kind of corruption that he saw in the name of Mahaprabhu's places of Leela, people were making up Mahaprabhu did this here or there, and with regard to his birth in particular, a certain place was claimed to be the birth of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and pilgrims would go there and, of course, give money. And some people were making a living out of that, and Bhaktivinoda saw the how the idea was being abused, and then he questioned whether it was actually the actual birthplace, and so he took it upon himself to research the matter considerably. And he did, from all um, external points of view, getting old maps and books, Bhakti Ratnakar, where a lot of Gaudiya Vaishnav history after the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was given and so forth, and uh, um, checking with government officials and so forth. He went about it in a very uh, scientific, if you will, way for external confirmation of where the birth site was. And he was convinced it was not where it was being claimed, where it was claimed to be. And then combined with his exoteric investigation, uh, of course, was his earnestness and, um, and spiritual practice that caused an esoteric confirmation of what he was um, pursuing as well. Externalist. Anyway, he combined these two. So this is kind of like Bhakti Vinod, right? Uh, he, as I'm saying, he was he was a devotee and 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 esoterically internally absorbed in his practice. But he sought to verify his external his internal realizations, insight, vision, and so forth with external uh, methods of the time and so forth, that it would be more convincing. And this was the, this, this, this kind of... What he ended up doing, again, coming from the circle that he was in and, and, and so forth, and what they were about, he ended up interfacing Gaudiya Vaishnavism then with the modern world and bringing to light what the actual teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was, bringing dignity to them, such that pious people of Bengal and Calcutta and other parts and so forth they took new interest in in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and indeed beyond that it went to the uh, uh, British circles and so forth. He corresponded with Thoreau and Emerson in America, and uh, he was uh, and, and he was doing this. He was reading those kind of kind of books and whatnot, Western philosophy and, and so on. So he was successful in reviving really the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and then interfacing with the Western world in such a way that made possible all of our participation in that. It's a huge undertaking um, on the part of Bhakti Thakur. So as I say, everyone owes a, a tribute to him, a regard to him, who's touched by Gaudiya Vaishnavism in the, in the Western world today and, and for that matter many in, in India as well because his successor, immediate successor, Bhaktisiddhanta established under his inspiration that Gaudiya Math of 64 monasteries throughout India, 64 monasteries, and there were no monasteries 
Monasteries means monks, like here, you know, in divine slavery. Uh, and uh, you didn't find that in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, uh, really, at the time. Some Babaji's and many householders, some recluses, and uh, many, many householders. Uh, either it was just their religion, they had very little Sambandha Gyan, or they may have had some Sambandha Gyan, but they weren't really, you know, which is kind of going on, it was, it was their livelihood. If you were a Brahmin and, and uh, born in a family of succession of Nityananda or something like that, then you would be a, be a guru and make a living out of that. And Bhakti Vinod really, really got to the essence of what it was about and brought it to light, uh, as they say, in, in English and the interface of the modern world and so forth. It's a very substantial um, undertaking. And so much so that in the ti- at the time, the one of the leading intellectuals and uh, editor of a prominent newspaper in Bengal, I forget his name, Shubhash Chandra Ghosh? I don't know that was uh, He was a uh, military guy. There's another one, I forget his name, I think it's mentioned in this article here that I have, we are going to read a part of, but um, at any rate, uh, that uh, Shishu Kumar Ghosh, I think his name, he, um, uh, the editor and a well-known author, editor of the prominent newspaper in Calcutta at the time, he uh, gave Bhakti Vinodakar the title Seventh Goswami, so tying him to the six Goswamis and the work that they did to establish Chaitanya Sampradaya in the first place, and as they did, in a prominent way by interfacing with the intellectuals and the monarchy, the ruling uh, classes of the time. As I've said before, the time was such during the uh, period of the Goswamis in Vrindavan that if you were a king, and India had many, many kingdoms, and you didn't have a, have a, have a temple for your Rani, for your queen, a Radha Krishna temple in Vrindavan, you were nobody. So it was, a, it was like the thing to do amongst the royalty. He had a huge... They, they had the Goswami's impact. They were writing about Gaudiya Vaishnavism in Sanskrit, which was the sophisticated religious language of the time for the religious educated uh, philosophers and so forth. And because it was came from Bengal, so people were writing about it in their own language in Bengali and so forth. But they kind of universalized it, in a sense, by uh, putting it into Sanskrit. And, uh, and all their commentaries were written in Sanskrit and very erudite, scholarly, and so forth. So this is one of the tasks of the Goswamis, and they also, under the direction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as well, they, they renovated Vrindavan, excavated the places of Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan, and so many pilgrims were able to come there. So, so Bhakti Vinodakura's work is analogous, interfacing with the educated people of the times and, and um, kind of reviving the tradition. He wrote hundreds of books and poems and songs. It was prolific. And, and he did considerable work in Nadia. He worked in Puri, in that dam. He worked for Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and he worked for Gaudiya Vaishnavism, as I mentioned earlier, in Vrindavan, where he got the name Bhakti, we know the title. And in particularly in, Nad- in Navadvip, his main place of, uh, of worship, and 
again, one of the main things that he sought to do was to establish the actual birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That's pretty important for Gaudiya, Vaishnavas. And um, while he did this, researching and so on and so forth, exoterically, uh, he at the same time had a revelation. And I want to conclude this short discussion with a, uh, a reading of Bhaktivinoda Thakur's own testimony as to his vision by which he could understand the, uh, where the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was. Once he got the vision, then he further you know, checked that exoterically and so forth. And, and he convinced many people and uh, deities were established at that place, and he went himself door to door in Calcutta to beg money to raise to, to raise a temple there. And he gave the task of, of continuing that to Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvatthakura, and eventually it took it happened. The temple, Yogapit of Sri Mayapur was established with Vishnu Priya and Chaitanya Gor Vishnu Priya deity. And thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of, of people came. Some people still opposed it, but the flow of, of, of where Gaudi Vaishnavism was going and where it had credibility and so on and so forth, it was all um, in connection with, with Bhakti Vinod. They all came to celebrate this uh, occasion and the, the vision, the darshan of the, that was afforded Bhakti Vinod Thakur from his place in Godrum. Uh, some of you may have been there, but you can go there now and, and uh, stand on the roof where Bhaktivinoda Thakur stood with his young son, Bhimal Prashad, who again became the late great Bhaktivinoda Sarasvatthakur, and one um, clerk, Kevani Babu. The three of them were on the top of the roof, and Bhaktivinoda looked, and he looked again, and, and he asked his son, did you see that? And indeed his son did, but the, but the clerk didn't. And then the next, next day they, they saw it again. I began to feel like my life had been spent uselessly. I had not accomplished anything. I had not been able to taste the nectar of the joy of serving Sri Sri Radha Krishna, the personification of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. If I could, I would have liked to retire from my job in a few years. Then I would go to Mathura Vrindavan and somewhere in the woods on the bank of the Jamuna, I would make myself a little shelter so that I could be a recluse and engage myself in devotional service. But due to my old habits, it would probably be hard on my body, so I should not live there alone. Perhaps I would have a companion. Then I went to Tarak Eshwar on some errand. While I was sleeping there, Mahaprabhu came to me at night and said, you are thinking of going to Vrindavan, Mahaprabhu said to him, but what about the work you are supposed to do in Navadvip, which is close to your home? After I came back from Tarak, Tarak Eshwar, every Saturday I would go from Krishnagar to Navadvip to look for the places of Mahaprabhu's pastimes, but I could not find anything, and that made me very sad. The people there are very concerned about making their own living. They do not make any effort to find the places of Mahaprabhu's. One evening, my son Kamal, a clerk, and I were standing on the rooftop looking around. It was about 10 o'clock at night, and it was 
dark and cloudy. Suddenly, we happen to see a brightly lit mansion across the Ganges to the north. I thought it was Bhaktisiddhanta who was with him, but perhaps not. It says, Kamal, that must be another one of his sons. When I asked Kamal, he said he had also seen it. When I asked Kamal, he said he had also seen it, but Kirani Babu, the clerk, said he did not see anything. I was very amazed. In the morning, I looked in that direction again from the rooftop of that house and noted that there was a palm tree there. When I asked the local people, they told me that that place was called Balal Digi, the lake of the Balals, descendants of Balal Sain, I guess. There is an old ruin there of the fort built by King Lakshman Sain. The following Monday, I went to Krishnagar, and the following Saturday, I went to Balal Digi. Again, that night, I beheld that amazing sight. Later, I went all around that place on foot, and by taking the older residents, talking to the older residents, I found out this was the place that Mahaprabhu's past time. There was only Tulsi growing there, and the Muslims had some name for the place. It was, I forget what it was, but it was kind of a distortion of a name that referred to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's himself or his family or something like that. So Mahaprabhu was putting this all together. Eventually, I visited all the villages where Mahaprabhu's pastimes took place, which are described in Bhakti Ratnakar by Srila Narahari Chakravarti, and also in Chaitanya Bhagavat. I wrote Sri Navadutam Mahatmya and sent it to Calcutta to be printed. In January of, 19, of 1894, we had a big meeting at Krishnagar, AV school. Many learned rich and famous Bengalis came to that meeting. Dwarak Babu, the chief engineer of Nadia district, Dwarkanath Sarakar, and I presented all the facts about Sri Mayapur in our speeches to all those present. Everyone agreed with us and gave their blessings for starting devotional service in Mayapur to recognize Mayapur as the birthplace. Sri Yogapit Mayapur Dham Ki Jai Sri Gauranga Janmastan Ki Jai Thakur Bhakti Vinod Ki Jai So, as I say, we owe great debt to Bhakti Vinod Thakur. He has kept this Gaudiya tradition alive and um, he set a particular standard for the exercise of one's intellect in relation to one's faith in the scripture that um, is something that his uh, lineage should carry on with to, to uh, continue to bring intellectual integrity to the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so that it will not become uh, deteriorated into some uh, just uh, superstition and so forth and um, be seen as such, I should say, by by educated people. That would be unfortunate, and that was what was happening to some extent at the time of Bhaktivedanta Thakur. So we're carrying on with this, humbly with this kind of work, and we proudly consider ourselves to be humble members of the Bhaktivinoda Parivar. Shri Bhaktivinoda Parivar ki jai Bhaktivinoda Thakur Avibhav Mahamotsavati ki jai Bhaktivinoda Parivar ki jai Bhaktivinoda Parivar ki jai